0: Hello and welcome. It's the Friday edition of the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here for the next hour. And it's a special Friday. Jim Nance is coming on. I should have started with hello, friends. You should have. Yeah, well, you got to get that energy up. Got to get that
1: smooth voice. Hello, friends. He's so good.
0: Uh, so he'll join us. Uh... The azaleas.
1: <laughs> I
0: got. He'll join us in the next uh, 10 minutes or so um we will chat with jim nance of course emmy award-winning play-by-play voice, cbs nfl play-by-play cbs golf play-by-play called the big nick taylor putt which was incredible he's got he's going to be in las vegas for the super bowl all of it
1: but i was talking to our boss greg sansoni about nance in uh, preparation for this and we both agreed like just a calming voice and presence you think of play-by-play people and sometimes they're taking over the moment they're loud they're gregarious and he's just like a, a comforter in a way
0: you know what it is it's um sometimes as broadcasters and i mean i'm guilty of this as well it just it's just something that you do sometimes you just feel like you need to take over the moment Because that's what people are listening for and whatever. But sometimes you just need the moment to breathe. And I think that's what makes excellent broadcasters is you know when it's time for you to talk and when it's time for you not to talk.
1: So how I know someone's an excellent broadcaster is because I want them to be the voice of my life. Yes. Like eulogy. Donovan was the oldest of two. Please, Jim, do it. Um, My voicemail. Donovan cannot take your call right now please leave a message at sounded sound of me my gps you're gonna hang a right just past this light make sure you get over two lanes because you're gonna be merging immediately like i want jim nance to voice everything that goes on the voice in my head i would be a much more productive person if it was jim nance
0: yeah probably um the other thing is too is and i know some people will say oh well you know it's just whatever like he is he's a wonderful man he's a just a fantastic human being one of the nicest people that I've that I've dealt with, and for someone who has the you know, pers- the profile that he has to be like that, he's taken plenty of his time, plenty of time out of his day to. Deal with me.
1: That's good to know because there is a very don't meet your heroes aspect sure. to celebrities and celebrity broadcasters. And it would be pretty disconcerting if he was, hello, friends, and then off the air, go get me a coffee.
0: Yeah, no, he is jerks. He is far from that. Uh, watch him do the Canadian Open broadcast and it is, it's a treat. It really is a treat. Uh, okay. So let's talk about whatever that was last night. Not a treat. It was, well, it was, it wasn't the end because yeah, it's fair st- you and I both. I said before we went off the air, this game's going to end thirty-five thirty, isn't it? And you went, no, it's not. And I went, you're right, it's not. And guess what? It almost did. Yeah. What a what a weird game. Um, Trevor Lawrence on the one leg, or so we thought. Has a season-high 59 rushing yards. Oh, you're questioning if he was hurt? No, no. I No, it's just how badly he was hurt. Because there's gamesmanship. We know that. I'm just saying he, he, was looked, wearing a brace. he looked pretty good for a guy that had just injured his knee. I didn't think he was going to play this week on the short week. I'm saying I'm impressed. Um, gutted it out for sure. The su- The su- Were you a Sopranos guy? No. Okay, so that jo- this joke will be lost on you, so I'm not going to say it. That's fine. It won't be lost on most of our No, it's okay. I've, ar- I've already used it. You weren't here the day I used it, so I figured ah, I'm not going to. Not going to do that to you. Uh, Derek Carr needed 55 passing attempts to get to 301 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Well, how
1: many of them were checkdowns to Alvin Kamara?
0: Uh, 12, I think, yesterday. Actually, 12 was how many catches Kamara had. Uh, I don't know how many targets he had, but I think it was like 14 or 15. It's re- Alvin Kamara... I believe has like eight more receptions than the next closest running back and Alvin Kamara missed the first three games of the year. year. Like, I'm not even joking. It's ridiculous. Get him in a PPR league, please. Okay, can we, let's, let's talk about this. Derek Carr yesterday has another like semi blow up on Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator. Then he throws a bleep fit. I don't know if it was with, Rashid Shaheed or Chris Olave, I think it was Olave, because somebody messaged me and said, Chris Olave hasn't been finishing roots all year assigned. Sad Saints fan. Derek Carr threw that ball 10 yards out of bounds. 10, maybe 15. Generous. How many times did you watch that video? 500 times, more. Could got an intentional grounding call. <laughs> yeah, in the other parking lot. I'm act- somebody, a Saints fan actually had messaged me, a buddy of mine, and he said, Like, who does Derek Carr think he is? I was like, he's he thinks he's Aaron Rodgers, but he's not. If there was a picture in the dictionary, so if we had a Pictionary, I know it's a game and not a book. I get it. If there was a picture in the dictionary under the word average, it would be Derek Carr. He is as average as it gets in every aspect of being a quarterback in the NFL at this point, and he's yelling at guys on the sidelines, and he's yelling at the offensive coordinator, I have a problem with that.
1: The issue with Derek Carr is that his mediocrity is not obvious. We put on the tape and we watch Mac Jones or even Daniel Jones. And there are things that physically they can't do or don't do consistently. You don't see that with Derek Carr. So it almost masquerades as if he is slightly above average to good because we see him make couple beautiful throws and he'll have some good presence in the pocket and he looks like you know if you just change the numbers and shrunk him a little bit he looks like oh yeah that was squinting just could be drew Brees until you look at the body of work for over a decade and no matter the fantasy points that he racks up those don't have context. Those don't have down distance time or score attached to them. And they don't have wins and losses attached to them either. And he does not win consistently for someone who has kept a starting job consistently. And, and paid
0: handsomely for it, especially now.
1: the. Handsome Payment is literally the only reason why the Raiders are like, we would love you, but we don't love you that much. You got to go. And you actually, you have to go immediately. Like You can't <laughs> even stay for the rest of the regular season. And you could say they did him dirty, and he was the only person who stood up and said anything that made sense when they had the Henry Ruggs incident, when they had the John Gruden incident. So he gets some points for being the conscience of a bad organization. But he also put bad football on tape time and time and time again and got away with it because the stats weren't atrocious, but the outcomes were. And so you don't have the capital in the league and specifically in that building that you just got to, to be reaming everybody out already. It would be one thing if Aaron Rodgers was doing that with the New York Jets because he has, has MVPs. He's has a bona fide winner. He came from a winning organization. He's trying to help them get to that place. You can argue the Saints have been better over the course of Derek Carr's career than the Raiders have. So why would anybody in that locker room look to him for leadership?
0: Man, I heard calls for, J- for Jameis Winston last night at points. I heard calls for Taysom Hill. Like they, need, they couldn't punch it in three times with Alvin Kamara. It's like, oh, right, we had this guy here all the time. Tim, the great value, Tim Tebow.
1: Well, it's funny because last week we had a meme of Jameis Winston uh, giving some words to Alvin Kamara, and he looked like he wanted to be anywhere else. And he looked like he was not listening to anything that Jameis had to say. It looked like when I was talking to my children when it was time to get ready and go to school. How do you end up having two of arguably the most annoying quarterbacks in the same QB room at one time. With the defense, by the way, I think is certainly a playoff defense, could arguably be a championship defense that is not being helped out by their offense. At least not for three quarters, because three quarters, Derek Carr was a check down Charlie. Then all of a sudden, when the game is in doubt, they start to push the ball down the field. And all of a sudden, the offense starts moving.
0: Yeah, and and one of those was a pick six. Let's not forget that, too. Yes. So it wasn't even the defense that, you know, ended up giving up points at the end of the day that mattered. That's right. But here's
1: the maddening thing. In the NFL, you can't win games multiple times. You have to win them once. And whether it was the pick six that gave the Jaguars points and momentum or based off of everything I just said, our conversation today is entirely different if I don't know Foster Monroe just catches the football in the end zone.
0: Yeah, I I felt for him because there's a lot of things there. Like, this is a guy that just dealt with cancer and all that. Like, that would have been a big moment for him. I mean, every football player... I I mean, I don't feel bad for every football player when they miss a play because that's what you get paid for. But I felt bad for Foster Monroe in that instance. I think his
1: teammates felt bad for him as well because they literally had to peel
0: him off the
1: bench and off the sideline when he... Really was inconsolable
0: after the game. Okay, let's quickly talk about the Jags. Um, we're just awaiting uh, uh, our call in from, from Mr. Jim Nance. Trevor Lawrence, we talked about, looked decent yesterday. Um, they ran the ball a, a good chunk. Travis Etienne was fantastic. At what point do we need to start talking about the Jag? Like, that's a road win on a short week with a, bu- a banged up quarterback. Did a pretty good job yesterday. At what point do we need to look at the Jags and go, not only are they the class of the AFC South, but maybe they are a sneaky Super Bowl contender. Or are we there yet? I don't know. Super Bowl because it's
1: still October and the Jaguars are so jackal and hide. But D- defense has been better. I was going to say, the, the defense, if anything, hasn't. And find me a team in the AFC that doesn't have warts. They all do. They all do. They all have something. So because the Jaguars came on late last year and we still don't know, and they got off to a bit of a slow start, I think we were late to really adopt them as a serious contender. But they're a pretty balanced team. and, And they, as we heard yesterday when previewing the game, and I think still proven to be the case, they haven't even scratched the surface of what they can get out of that receiving core, specifically Calvin Ridley. Kirk is starting to come on now. So, yeah, I, I think they're I'm not going to say Super Bowl contender, but someone who can win a couple games in the playoffs, certainly. Uh, our guest oh. is
0: now on the line. Well, let me be quiet. Here he is. Joining us on the line now, you know him as the legendary Jim Nance, Emmy Award-winning play-by-play voice, CBS NFL play-by-play, and CBS golf play-by-play. You all know him as that. I know him as the guy that put up with my dad and I for multiple (laughs) hours at the Canadian Open up in the Tower. Jim, how are you today?
2: Hello, friend. I'm doing just great. That's a warm memory, actually, for me. It was not a matter of putting up with. It was a matter of enjoying seeing a father and son sharing an experience being at a PGA tour event, much less something as big as the RBC Canadian open. So Matt, it's great to be back with you.
0: Well, I appreciate it. So uh, before we get into football, I have to ask you the Nick Taylor putt that won the Canadian yes. open. What, what's going through your mind when you see this, because there's no way that anybody thinks this is going in and this is going to end this tournament and end a drought of so many years where a Canadian has not won their national open.
2: It was storybook. I think it's my favorite golf memory not only of 2023 but of the last several years i think we all were just caught off guard by that you don't expect a 72 foot putt to drop apparent, and at the same time with uh all that's at stake there all the history and all the the years and years 69 years total since the last canadian had won so it was a thrill to be perched above the 18th green and watch all of that. It's so funny. Here we are months later and I still hear about this all the time. Randomly. I was at a golf course the other day and someone came over and said they were visiting from Toronto and uh, I'm in Tennessee at this point. And, and they said that meant so much to them that moment. And they thanked me, which has been, it's been so nice and gratifying. I mean, I feel very odd and people thank me but in that call when it happened you know i had nothing pre-planned no ideas and all the putt. but the first thing that left my lips was something along the lines of glorious and free and it just it just struck me um that 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 would seem to be the right way to describe that amazing moment um and you know glorious and free was playing in my head because i believe it's the 14th hole uh part three they were serenading the, the gallery was every Canadian that came through by singing the anthem and I love your anthem. I just love the Canadian national anthem. So, um, yeah, it just came to me and that, that little, uh, clip of that narrative will be there forever when that video is played back, you know, many years down the line. Um, and I'm honored to be able to have a, a just a little voice undercurrent to such an epic moment.
1: Well, you are the voice of various epic moments, and I wonder when people come up to you how that relationship is different based off of exactly where they know you from, whether it's the voice of CBS's football coverage and many Super Bowls, or for us Canadians, obviously, that putt in that tournament, for many it'll be the Masters, and for many it'll be the voice of March Madness. When people come up to you, you can kind of tell that they're eyeing you, and they tell you exactly what moment is in their heart that you've said, "How's it changed based off of their sporting experience?"
2: That's a good question. I got to tell you that I I'm grateful when people come over and want to share a memory like that with me. And the first thing I want is to make people feel at ease. I don't want them to think they're talking to somebody that uh, is going to treat them like, um, like as if I think I'm some sort of crazy celebrity or something. I hate the word celebrity. I just want people to know that I'm normal, just like everybody else. And, um, uh, you know, I I can sometimes see a little anxiousness when people do approach and they want to take a picture or whatever. I'm honored. I'm really honored that people will associate me with some of these moments that are, that are indelible images and memories in their heads. Um, It's a wide variety of things too, that, that have, I have found that are meaningful to people. I would say the Masters seems to be the one that resonates the most. Uh, and it could be any assortment of uh, things that happened through the years at Augusta, whether it was, you know, Tiger's win for the ages or his return to glory in 2019, or it could be a completely different year. It could be a memory. People have of me interviewing Arnold Palmer in his last ever interview, which was conducted in Butler cabin, or it could be a saints fan. Like I was at a, at the neighborhood party last night and there was a family just moved here from new Orleans and they were recalling the 2009 saints team that won the super bowl. And I got to call that. Um, so it's all, you could tell it, 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 it has in many cases it's been years and years in people's minds or heads. They could see, and they can hear that, 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 that piece of history and to be associated with it. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, I'm grateful to have been there in the first place. (laughs) Then I'm really grateful Mm -hmm. that people will uh, attach me to those moments that that are special to them.
0: Jim Nance, uh, CBS, NFL, play-by-play. You know him for so many other things as we we just spoke about. Uh, Joining Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett here on the fan check down. So you're gonna call your seventh Super Bowl this year. How much are you looking forward to seeing your face on the big sphere in Las Vegas this year along with Tony Romo?
2: <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No, not at all. But I was just there this weekend. It's funny you'd ask about it. We did the Patriots and Raiders game mm-hmm. on Sunday, and it was it was not the biggest audience split of the weekend on CBS. We had a regional week. This week we have the national, the national doubleheader game, the late Sunday afternoon game, uh, the Chargers at the Chiefs. But we, we did the game last week, even though it had a small uh, uh, audience, smaller audience, because it was a dress rehearsal for our game on February 11th. Our crew had never done a game at Allegiant Stadium in oh, Las wow. Vegas. So we were seeing it for the first time, and all the bells and whistles, well, most of them, were brought in for the occasion. So it was. There was a lot of equipment that was in there that were being tested and tried out. Got me very excited. I mean, to do a Super Bowl is it's an incredible experience. To do one now in Las Vegas and what is without signing? I like think it's a bunch of hyperbole. It's the truth. The biggest event in the history of Las Vegas. Uh, you know, they've had so many massively important things that have happened there, whether it be heavyweight championship bouts or coming up, they've got uh, Formula One in November. But the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl. It is the standalone event. Uh, man, I'm excited about that. The Sphere, uh, our crew saw it uh, in person. Uh, there was a U2 concert going on while we were there, so they set the with Bono. I did not go. Not that I wouldn't have wanted to go, but I had my my two youngest children with me on the trip And given the time change and everything, (laughs) it was going to be too late at night. And as much as I love Bono and I love you too, I would rather put my kids to bed and tell them a nighttime story than watch any concert from any artist.
1: Imagine... Jim Nance reading you a bedtime story. Llama, <laughs> llama, red read. pajama. Like, it would be amazing. So you mentioned. I
2: don't, <laughs> I don't read. I'm, I make them up as I go along. <laughs> of
1: course. You You're just putting all those fathers to shame, up.
2: They're They're imagined.
0: We've got a lot There's to scenarios. To.
2: That... This is a big part of my life that I absolutely relish. And I think about what am I going to do tonight during the day. And I try to keep it current. And I, I have something that has something to do with uh, an event that's going on that week or that day in my kids' lives. And uh, after prayers, it's it's time for a nighttime story. Now, I get to tell it twice. I always put my son to bed first, and then I segue over to, to my daughter's room. And, Daddy, can you tell me a nighttime story? I'm going to miss that so much when they stop saying that. But, you know, I make up characters I make up stories and it always begins with once upon a time and it always ends with and whoever that subject is lived happily ever after the end and by that time my kids are barely hanging on to stay awake you know they've lulled them into I don't know what it is I can't imagine what it is <laughs> uh, but they are they are lights out and they're off into a hopefully a very sweet dreamy state of mind
1: Well, Jim, I hope uh, my four-year-old or my wife are not listening to this because you've just raised the bar for me. I've got a business proposition for you, though, two of them. Either one, we outsource your stories. This is a sharing economy, and who would not want to just play Jim Nance, whatever that story is for the day, you just send it along for a small fee, or Jim Nance, the voice of a meditation app. Oh, yeah. Hello, friends. I've been asked
2: that before. I have. I, it's been explored um uh, and you know, I, I i haven't done it but uh, i have been uh approached about that i did really truly want to write a um a children's book because i do basically that every single night without the pictures i need i need an illustrator i'm really good at making up stories uh children's stories uh, but that is after all what I do for a living, I'm a storyteller, and I don't have a script, and I make it up, you know, on the fly. I see something, I observe, and tell people what I see. Just in this case, I have imaginary figures and characters in an imaginary settings. Sometimes these settings are very real, and I have to admit, as I go on, I'm making up as I go along. It's like calling a game in some respects. I sometimes don't know where the story's going 10 seconds down the road. And I put these twists and turns and internally sometimes I say, now that was pretty good. I don't know how it came up with that one, but my kids are hanging on. They're hanging on to all these words. And sometimes the next morning they'll say, daddy, was that true? Was Isabel, is that really happened? Was Jackson, is, is that true? That Was that a true story? Is that real? And, you know, I have to take a little bit of artistic liberty here. And it's always, of course it's real. It is? I said, yes. These are happy stories. And like I said, I would put those any day ahead of ahead of anything, including going to the sphere in Las Vegas and seeing one of the greatest concerts of all time.
0: Um well you I'm not gonna lie, I, I almost shed a tear there thinking about all that. My daughter <laughs> my daughter just turned one, so I mean I, I, I get awesome. it. I get it. Um, Start now. Yeah, honestly. Um, okay, so I we, I got to ask you about football. As much as I would love to continue this conversation, your time is short, yes. so I want to make the best of, of the time we have. Um, you've got Chiefs and Chargers this weekend, as you mentioned, yourself, Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson. Um, the Chiefs, for me, have been kind of uninspiring, and I know it's really weird to say their defense has been incredible. Uh, they're allowing like almost eight points a game less this year. They're scoring almost five points a game less, but... Is this just a different version of the Kansas City Chiefs and one that we should probably get used to, one that their defense takes care of business and their offense does maybe just enough to win games, but they're never in doubt?
2: It's a good observation. I will say that. I think that it is a little bit different in the approach, but the outcome is the same. You know, they peeled off five wins in a row after the opening loss to Detroit, and they're not blowing people out. A good example of that was they played last Thursday night. They scored 19 points against a Denver team. They gave up 70 to Miami. Now, not that you see 70 points every day, but you would think at Arrowhead they could have been good for 30 or 40. Um, they haven't given up uh, more than 20 points in a game yet this year. So, um, uh, except for the, what happened with the Lions, so they are they are they are motoring along uh, and winning. And I I think the best way I could put it, would be right from the lips of of Andy Reid, who I'm getting off eventually. I'm not rushing you guys along, but I've got Andy Reid coming up at the top of the hour um, by phone, by Zoom. Uh, And Andy said two weeks ago, we were in Minnesota and we were talking about how things look different. And he said, you know what? I Actually, I think we're in a really good place. We're about the same place at this time that we were early in the season last year. We were still figuring it out. And I believe that but you kind of realize it's a long journey. They still have 11 more games to go before the playoffs and they're still winning. It's going to look a lot different at the end of December than it looks right now, as long as they keep 15 upright and healthy, but they're, they're figuring it out. I thought it was a very strong move, by the way, that they, they brought back Nicole Hardman this week because they've got gadget plays and ways that he can help them. Um, that the Jets, for some reason, could not artistically figure out a way to use them. So I think Kansas City will be fine. The Chargers have uh, given them some great games in recent years when, once uh, Justin Herbert got on the scene. So I'm looking forward to this game.
1: You mentioned that meeting in pre-production with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, and it was in a meeting like that with Tony Romo or a bunch of them where you went back to the crew at CBS in New York and said, this guy... He's got something. And obviously, he's now become, I don't, you don't like the word, but a celebrity uh, broadcaster. What was it about those meetings with Tony that, Tony that you knew he could be special? And who now do you see when you're meeting going across the league? Do you think, all right, when they're done, whenever that is, they could be really good at this broadcasting thing?
2: Well, first off, on Tony, he had an energy and a passion with everything that he said and he had a way of breaking down what was going to happen in the game in a way that I'd never heard anyone describe it before phraseology if that's the right term is very big to me it's noticeable when people aren't using the same old answers cliched and and, and Tony spoke his own language and first off it was well beyond just those production meetings that that made me realize that he could be something special Tony was a friend long before he became a broadcast partner because of golf. And when he first became a cowboy starter, this is more than 10 years before he would join me in the booth. We had this friendship that evolved because of our love of golf. I would come through Dallas for the Byron Nelson tournament or the colonial tournament. I would invite Tony to come sit in the booth, not to be on the air, just to sit off to the side and, and watch us do our thing and put a spare headset on and listen to the broadcast and, watch the golf from the greatest view, um, on site, you know, right behind the 18th green. So I just knew from having many experiences with him, dinners, etc., through the years that Tony just was a fun guy to be around. And if you could bottle that up and put it on the air, my gosh, you have something special. So uh, I love working with him. I loved working with Phil Sims. I had a great 13 year run with Phil. Um, Tony has been he's been just a delight to work with now who's next good question Uh, you know you kind of have to think about this in terms of okay who's out there I'm not saying that they're going to be available but I've often thought Mike Tomlin would be exceptional at this if he ever wanted to leave the the sideline and go into the booth his production meetings are extraordinary again the way that he can frame it, tell a story, his way of his 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 way of description, it's different. It's really good. It's high level, uh, and uh, I think Mike would be very good at that if wow. if that's what he wanted to do.
0: I I, mean, I got to ask this question. I know you I know you got to run, so I'm going to ask it very quickly um, because I've, I'm starting to warm up to this guy, and I never thought that I would. Partially because I'm a Bills fan, and partially because I was a little bit leery. Has Mike McDaniel become one of the m- most interesting men in football?
2: Gosh, is he ever? I mean, he again. Uh, we know his background, where he went to college, the, you know, the education that he had. It shows, and. Yeah, he's we we had him for the game up at Buffalo just a couple of weeks ago, which the Bills won. They won in a blowout. But what Mike's doing right now, this this innovative stuff with all of that speed, you you often find that when a team comes through with a different approach, it takes it takes a good year for the rest of the league to adapt and adjust. And I'm not making any predictions because I picked Buffalo and Dallas before the season started. And I still think it's possible, more so on the Buffalo side than the Dallas side, but I think it's possible for both of them to be in Las Vegas. We'll see. But when someone comes around with approach like this, like Miami, what it's doing right now, the play calls, again, the, the way they, he's drawn up plays with what he has and the way they've built this team with speed, I am not sure that Miami's not going to be in that game in Las Vegas. It's not a reach at all. Uh, There's something special going on there for sure. In Week 18, Buffalo at Miami. I know Buffalo's already got the first game under the belt against the Dolphins, but it could all come down to, importantly, who wins that division and doesn't have to spend their entire postseason run on the road. Because only one team, only one of those two teams, is guaranteed of getting at least one playoff game at home, and maybe more depending on what the loss total is. That, That, to me, is shaping up as a giant game.
0: Uh, I'm looking forward to the Bills being in the Super Bowl. I can tell you that much. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I sure hope so. Uh, listen, Jim, you've been so gracious with your time. I greatly appreciate it. Um, all the best to you. Have a great call this uh, this Sunday. And uh, hopefully we can get you back on before the Super Bowl, before number seven that you're calling. That would be great.
2: Well, that's awful kind of you guys. And thank you, Donovan, Matt, my friend, both of you. I enjoyed being part of your show. So thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Uh, there he goes, Jim oh, Vance. One last thing. Oh, yeah. To everybody up there in Canada, thank you for being so gracious. When I do the RBC Canadian Open, I mean, when I'm walking around on Thursday or Friday, it's just an amazing, amazing, just the acts of kindness that come my way from from all the folks in Canada have made me feel very, very special, way more special than I deserve. It's meant a lot to me. I will do that tournament for as long as CBS and the RBC Canadian Open will have me. It's one of my all-time favorites, and I've got a lot of great memories now banked away. But the biggest memory of all is that I get treated better and when I'm up in Toronto doing that tournament than I do just about anywhere. It means a lot. I just wanted to say that. So thank you all.
0: Well, we, we appreciate having you, Jim. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks. All of the best. There he goes. Jim Nance, Emmy winner, CBS NFL play-by-play. CBS golf, play-by-play, play. just an all-around good guy. You see, he, he, was it just me, or did you get a little emotional there, talking about Canada? I got emotional.
1: I don't know about him.
0: I got emotional in many
1: different scenarios. One, just the visual of him you know, saddling up next to a kid and maybe bouncing on his lap or lying in bed under the covers, just going through the stories, and not the stories that I would be going through. It wasn't gymnasts going Llama, llama, red pajama, waiting, waiting for his mama. Mama isn't coming yet, baby llama. Have you memorized this, by the way? to fret. I mean, I do it once or twice, sometimes a night, so I probably could do it off the top. Yeah, I got one of those too. But I I need the Hello Friends meditation app. Yes. Where it's just take a deep breath. The calming influence. Use your entire diaphragm, feel (laughs) the energy removed from your body. Put so your eyelids shut as they get heavy. Wouldn't you want Jim dance? Yeah, I'd, I, I, could, I could buy that. Because I'm not a, a good meditator. I no. struggle. No, no. There's too many things going on. Well, I'm just like, am I doing this right? Am I, doing, am I, relaxed, yet? Am yeah. I relaxed yet? I don't feel relaxed. And then if you keep asking those questions, you probably aren't.
0: Yes. Uh, I made reference at the beginning about how he treated my dad and I when we went to the Canadian Open. I had met him through working here. And um, he invited me. He said, hey, why don't you come up to the tower and watch, you know, us work? So it was himself and and Ian Baker Finch. And we sat up there, my dad and I, for like three, four hours. Did the same thing as he did with Tony Romo. Not that I'm going to be Tony Romo. I was about to say. But he gave us the headset and whatever. And you do not realize how fast a golf broadcast moves. Like, it's incredible. And watching it, just watching someone who is at, it's watching someone who's at the peak of their powers do their work. And as someone who's in that business, it was really special to watch it. Actually, the first year that we were there, there was a rain delay. So Jim would only have to go on every 20 minutes or whatever just to say, you know, we're in a rain delay, whatever. That was the best because we sat there. We talked. We talked about fantasy football. We talked about like all sorts of different things. He's just he's a wonderful man. And um, I might get emotional talking about he's he's awesome. He's the best. Well, I
1: think people assume. Golf is an easy sport to call because, I mean, you're it's watching slow. people play golf. Yeah. And it's slow. But and we're going to go over to 16. We're going to 18. This approach. This is, he, this is the wood that he's playing. Now we're going over here. You missed this shot, so we're going to make sure we can give you that. This is how this person's been playing. His short game has really struggled, so this will be interesting. See if he can get up and down in two. You need to be a maestro of everything that's going on. But the nature of golf you're hearing the birds chirp. You got to be, you know, serene. Let it breathe. Yeah. Let it breathe. But you have to have so much stuff going on in your head. I actually need a meditation app just thinking about what it would be like for him to call uh, a massive tournament like the RBC Open or uh, the Masters. So, yeah, one of the best. And he, he calls you friend. That was that was awesome. To hear him He's, get on the line and call you friend uh, was really cool. Uh, but my Jim Dance story is years ago, years ago, the NCAA tournament was in Atlanta, and one of my first big opportunities to cover a big sporting event was it for the Score Television Network because I did the features and I got to cover the tournament. There's a couple Canadians uh, who made the Final Four. And I was you know, on the road for the first time trying to file stories and get good stuff, and I saw him in the press room watching Rick Pitino, uh, and after I said, hey, can I get some sound from you and a bunch of people like blew me off won't say any names I'll tell you afterwards or just kept walking whatever he was great and gracious and it was such a big deal that I filed with sound from Jim Nance which helped me and made me feel great but the fact that he, he took his time he told me about the fact that after the tournament he's jumping in the car going straight to Augusta for the Masters lets you know that this is someone who really takes the craft serious but also helps other young journalists as well
0: he is uh he is a treat and uh we thank him very much for his time, we got to hit a break, but when we come back, we got some games to preview. And the first one on the docket Lions at Ravens. A battle, a shocking battle between two really good defenses in their own right. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. This is the fan checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
2: The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Bourne. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett here with you. If you missed the Jim Nance interview, the podcast will be up shortly. I'm sure we're going to have a clip of the interview that will be on Twitter. Um, you can follow us there at mar 89 at Donovan Bennett with two ends in Donovan. Don't you forget it. Okay, let's get to our games because we are well. We gotta we gotta go soon. Um, Lions at the Ravens. Ravens three point favorites at home. The total is 43. To me, this is a fascinating game because Baltimore is second best against the pass. Detroit is second best against the run. Detroit, very good in the passing game. Fourth in passing yards per game. Baltimore, fifth in rushing yards per game. This is a real strength versus strength matchup. Here's my only caveat. The Lions have been way more impressive than the Ravens have this year.
1: They have, and it's one of the few... Games that I'm really excited about this week. There's the primetime games. You know, this one is really the only one in the early slate that I'm really excited about. And I think I'm excited about it because, think to your point, there's a bit of a litmus test in terms of I think these teams are good. I'm trying to convince myself that I'm in on the Lions. I'm trying to affirm the fact that I believe I should be in on the Ravens, even though. They have given away some games. So now to see some strength on strength competition is great. And two teams that quarterbacks are very different. Head coaches are very different, but there are similarities in the fact that their identity is defense. They want to run the ball and establish it early. They just get to it in vastly different ways.
0: Yeah, it's true. Uh, Both teams coming off pretty big wins. I mean, we can say what we want about the Titans. They stink. Sorry, Austin. Um, but the Ravens really manhandled them, even though I didn't think the Ravens played all that well in that game. Like, lots of missed opportunities in the red zone. Terrible to, in the red zone. Yeah, and and that is, you know, kind of, I mean, it's maybe not surprising considering their, you know, the lack of talent, I guess you want to say, at the running back position, which would help. Um, but, you know, they also don't throw the ball very well in the red zone either. Detroit, the road victory against the Bucks, who are a very good defensive team, and they just shut them down. Uh, so this is going to be a good one. Well,
1: and you talk about those red zone struggles the player for me that should be make a difference in the red zone is Odell Beckham Jr. Those fade balls that he made famous. We're not seeing them in the same way against a team that's going to give you man coverage. Mm-hmm. This is why they went and got Odell Beckham Jr. We'll see if he shows up.
0: Yeah, we'll see if he does show up. That's a, a very good, he has. Well, he's only shown up in uh, glimpses this yes, year. He's yes. Certainly not lived up to the salary. Um, we're kind of tight on time. Let's get to the, some of these big ones first. Uh, let's go Chargers at Chiefs. We talked a little bit about this with Jim Nance about how I think that the Chiefs are unimpressive, and he didn't totally disagree with me, which I'll take to the bank. Uh, Kansas City. Here's the stat though: they're allowing five less. They're scoring almost five less points per game, but they're allowing eight less points per game. Like that is a significant drop off. Only the San Francisco Giants have allowed less points per game uh, at 14.1. I believe the Chiefs are at 14.7 per game. Um, this is a very interesting game because the Chiefs do struggle a little bit with the Chargers that when Justin Herbert has been at the helm. The total for this one is 48. Chiefs five and a half point favorites. I don't know what to make of this game because usually I would think shootout, but... The offense for Kansas City hasn't been great, but their defense has been so good. I kind of lean towards this might be a little bit of a slugfest where points are going to be at a premium.
1: I think it's Kansas City easily. You talked about that defense. They're playing really well in their five game win streak. They're first in points against 13.4, second in QBR 29.1, third in yards per game 267. They've held their opponents to 20 or fewer in all five wins. If you get off the bus and say, Patrick Mahomes, just get me 21 points, just get me three touchdowns, more often than not, he's going to be able to do it. We talk about Mahomes as if he's having, you know, a terrible season, which relative to him he is. He's fifth in QBR in 73. He's not that bad. He's not just running away with it like he is in most years. And you talked about it. The Chargers, for me, are coming off a bad loss Mm -hmm. against now a really – Good opponent. And they were coming off that bad loss coming off of a bye. So I think this is one that the Chargers should be desperate for because it doesn't get easier. And the Chiefs 11 straight wins versus the AFC West. I think it gets to 12.
0: Uh, Bears. Jets, Lions, Packers, and Ravens the next five games for the Chargers. Like that's not an easy schedule, as you mentioned. Like the Bears, okay, but the Jets have been a tough out, yep. especially for, you know, as Robert Sala says, the elite quarterbacks that they've faced. Yep. Uh, the Lions are good, as we know. The Packers, we'll see what they are coming out of the bye. And the Ravens are still a good team. Yep. No this question. will be this will be very interesting. Uh, the Chiefs, their next five. This is where it gets fun for them. This this is where we're gonna see how good this defense is. They get the Broncos, whatever. Then it's Dolphins, Eagles, Raiders, Packers. Wow. So it gets a little bit tougher in terms of offenses that can actually put up some points. Although we will see who's quarterbacking the Raiders when they get there. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll see who's still on the Raiders after the trade deadline. That's also a very good point. By the way, we didn't really talk about the Devontae Adams stuff. We can quickly kind of chat about it. He's unhappy with his role. And the point is, is like he came from Green Bay where he would get 10 to 12 targets a game. And that's why you brought in Devontae Adams. Like, what am I missing here? He's right. He wants to win, and how you win is getting Devontae Adams the ball. But, He's like Booby Miles.
1: But they brought in a quarterback who can't get the ball to him in spaces where he wants it, which is deep down the field. They had that quarterback, which was his friend from college, and Derek Carr. You can have Jimmy Garoppolo, and he could fit your offense, but what's the point of having Devontae Adams if you can't get him the ball I found it interesting. He said, Listen, uh, we won, big deal. I need to be dominant in the elite. Like, no, winning is the first part. To his point, him being dominant helps them win. 100%. But the, the messaging was a little clunky.
0: Yeah, I, I get what he was trying to say. Uh, in the words of Booby Miles, as it pertains to Devontae Adams, if you want to win, put Booby in. And this is how that pertains. To the Vegas Raiders. Uh, let's get to Dolphins, Eagles, because the other ones we may try and squeeze in, but this one's an important one. Um, we talked about I, or at least I've talked about Tua being the front runner for the MVP. You've fought back on that, and that's fine. Here's what I will give you. Tua Tagovailoa leads the league in passing yards, yards per attempt, passer rating, passing plays of 40 plus yards, uh, and he's tied for first in passing TDs, second in completion percentage, tied for second in passing plays of twenty plus yards. We can't say the same thing about Jalen Hurts right now. It's been Better in terms of yardage after under 200 yards the first two games. But he's got seven touchdown passes to seven interceptions. This is very unlike what we saw from Jalen Hurts last year.
1: The turnovers are certainly unlike it because he has eight turnovers this year. He had eight all of last year. And he he missed a couple games, but still uh, was really good in terms of protecting the ball with seven INTs. Turnovers aside, the numbers other than that look pretty good. He's fifth in total QBR, 15 yards per attempt, third in 50-yard completions. He just needs to take better care of the ball. I l- love this matchup of two former Alabama teammates that are really close, and now they're both guys who are in the MVP conversation.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be a good one. Um, the Eagles are favored by 2.5 here. 51.5 is the total. I think the total is low. I think that that one hits the over. How do you feel? like? what's the narrative coming into Monday show? If the Eagle, if the Eagles win, they beat the dolphins, but they're at home. Or if the dolphins go into Philadelphia and they kind of mop the floor with the Eagles, are we, are we talking then about either of these teams being, you know, kind of the class of their conference? I think so, especially depending
1: on what happens with the Niners in terms of how many of their questionable players are able to play because health is the real concern or, Brock Purdy's ability to be as productive without a full complement of players around him. But these are two teams that, no question, this year will be a disappointment if they're not playing in Vegas in
0: the Super Bowl. And this game will go a long way in helping them get there. Yeah, we'll see how healthy the Eagles are as well. It sounds like Lane Johnson is going to be back. We'll see about Jalen Carter. We'll see about Darius Slay. Those are two big, big, big pieces to that defense. Okay, let's get this one in quickly. Steelers at Rams, Rams favored by three points, totals 44. This is a really kind of weird matchup, I feel like. Um, the the Steelers, we think, are going to get Deontay Johnson back. They are not going to get Pat move back. Um, does it matter with Matt Canada calling plays?
1: It doesn't matter, but this game is testing the theory that Happiness is relative to expectations. And we expected the Steelers to be really good this year. And we expected the Rams to be really bad this year. And they've both been relatively average. And thus we look at this game and these teams skewed based off of the expectations that we came in to the year.
0: They kind of met in the middle.
1: They did. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes it a real tough one to read.
0: Yeah, I agree. And and the other thing is, is the Rams, no Kyron Williams, no Ronnie Rivers. They're down their their top two running backs. Um, Zach Evans is going to play. Looks like Royce Freeman's going to play. And recently added to the practice squad, Daryl Henderson, welcome back wow. to the Rams. Sounds like he's going to be active, according to Sean McVay. How much does that kind of change their approach? Like, they already throw so much to Cooper Cup. They've been really successful running the ball. Like, Kyron Williams was excellent in that second half last week against the Cardinals. Does it matter? Like, do you think that it changes anything on on how they match up with Cooper Cup? Because it doesn't feel like anybody can cover him still. It doesn't. I think
1: they need to run the ball, one, because if you're going to get light box time after time after time against that offense and that receiver group, you have to run the ball to stay honest. But two, I don't think you want to get in a game with that Steelers pass rush where you're dropping back and you're throwing it 40 times. I don't think that's a recipe's for success for anybody. So just to especially keep, Matthew Stafford, is no, not as mobile as he used to be. No. So I, I think they need balance, whether or not they're successful. It doesn't even matter. You need to almost to show them you're willing to run to keep them honest.
0: Okay. So we've got uh, about a minute and a half here. So I'm going to give you my best bets for the weekend. Let's go. Uh, Cooper cup over 90 and a half receiving yards. He has 266 through two games i will continue to bet the over until somebody proves to me that they can cover him i don't think that's happening this weekend last week was 114 the week before was like 146 or like he's i had this conversation with my cousin who's a very avid football fan watches a lot he says i still don't understand how they can't cover him i don't get it double him triple him whatever you got to do like let somebody else beat you yes but it's just not working right now I don't understand how teams haven't figured it out yet, and maybe that's the genius of Sean McVay. Yeah, I I I think so, and like
1: he's just flat out that good. It's odd for someone to become that good over time,
0: but he's a late bloomer, no question. And he's not a physical. He's not DK Metcalf. Like he's not a physical specimen. No, kind of just looks like a guy. But but he's really good. There's something for running
1: every route, assuming you're gonna get the ball. Because sometimes you might.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Uh, One more, Uh, you're gonna love this. Uh, Bill's minus eight and a half. This is the biggest spread in the Bill's favor against the Pats since Tom Brady's rookie season. Wow. And you know what? I like them to cover it. Yeah. Bill's bounce back on the road against Bill Belichick. We're on to Buffalo. Um, They're going to, I think that they have a bounce back after what was a, very poor showing in a win against the Giants. That's it for us this week. Thank you to Austin behind the glass. Thank you to Donovan across the table. Uh, like I said, if you missed the Jim Nance interview, check out the podcast. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. And thanks to him for joining us. For Matt Marchese, signing off for the fan check for the weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Bye-bye.